Lord God, thank you so much for today, Lord. Thank you that you have brought us here to worship you, to seek you, God, to to study your word and to hear from you through your word. And I ask by your Holy Spirit, God, that you would anoint this time and speak to us. God, that you would open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. God, help us to understand this passage in a way that would impact us, Lord. And that as we leave this place, we would be different. That we would be uh, have a resolve, Lord. That we would be set on our mission, God, as we live for you in this world. So, God, thank you for each and every person that is here today, Lord. We pray for those who couldn't make it for various reasons. Maybe there are many who aren't feeling good as this cold is going around. But, God, thank you that you have allowed us to be here right now, to be with you, to hear from you, to worship you. And so anoint this time with your Holy Spirit. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, I read about this man in Vietnam who tried to kill this annoying rat and ended up burning down his own house. Kind of crazy. The homeowner said that the rat had been driving him crazy. And um, he, he was, you could imagine, being super frustrated and annoyed. Well, he finally caught the rat and he doused it in gasoline. He was, he was really upset. Uh, took a lighter and lit the rat on fire. Well, that was fiery retribution, I call it. Well, the burning rat then ran away, ran under his car, which was parked in a carport next to his house, and in no time, the car caught on fire, then the carport caught on fire, and then his whole house burned down. Oh, what a lesson, yeah. (laughs) Don't light a rat on fire, you know, kind of thing. But some people, they have a motto that they live by. Don't get mad, get even. You ever heard that? But revenge will only come back to hurt you. As we see in this, this, this instance, right? What we see in here. And I would say it's especially true when you are unjustly treated. Someone once, once said, getting even is not ever even and I I think I think that's very true because it hurts you but also I mean you think oh you're getting even right but you're actually lowering yourself down to that other person's level it's way better I think to take the high road so to speak but what does that high road really look like well, as we return to our study here in the book of 1 Peter, we find that we are to rise to the level of how Jesus handled things. The title of our message this morning is How to Handle Unjust Suffering. How to Handle Unjust Suffering. We're going to be studying 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to finish chapter 2, this chapter, going from verse 21 to 25. So our title, How to Handle Unjust Suffering, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 through 25. Now, in these verses, in this section, uh, we're going to see four things. And this is how to handle unjust suffering. Number one, follow in his footsteps. Number two, fight 
to not sin. Number three, focus on trusting God. And number four, find identity in Christ. So this is our outline. This is also our points. This is, this is how we can handle unjust suffering. All right, let's begin here with number one. Follow in his footsteps. Follow in his footsteps. And here we're going to be covering verse 21. Take a look with me here now. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it says, For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so, you might, so that you might follow in his steps. Now, we begin here in our study, and we're actually backing up one verse. If you remember, we ended in verse 21, and I went over that, but I told you we're, we're like overlapping uh, last week with verse 21. If you remember from verse 18 through 21, uh, the title last week was The Good Worker That Works Well. We saw how the attitude to submit with respect yeah, to your Employers, what, what God calls us to do, even to a bad boss, we are still to submit with respect. And so that's that attitude, that's the good worker that works well. And we went over verse 21, but we're going we're gonna to back up a little bit. Now, we learn, as it says in verse 21, for to this you have been called. We've been called to endure patiently uh, mistreatment, bad boss, uh, all those things. And why is that? Well, what have we been finding in this whole section, this whole, really, most of this chapter from verse 11 on un until we're here today, we've been learning that God is calling us to shine Jesus, right, in our conduct so that the world may even come to Christ through our witness, showing that, that we have a transformed life. We don't operate in that same manner anymore. And so how you handle that unjust treatment, it shines the light of that transforming power of Jesus Christ. How, how you're a believer now, how you've been changed, you're a new creation, God has done this work in you. And so we've been seeing that, that theme here, running here in this passage, whether it's uh, where he said in verse 11, right, that we're, we're aliens, we're sojourners, we're foreigners, uh, whether to the government we are to submit and our conduct is to show that submission with respect or as we saw last time with our employers, we show that we submit and showing with respect to them. And so we saw in verse 21 also this is what we've been called to because Christ also suffered for you. Christ suffered so that what? We could be saved. So we could live this kind of life. So we can handle suffering, unjust suffering. Well, how, how do you do that? How, how does that happen? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at in particular in some help here. So understand this is the flow of the passage from verse 11 and 12 from that message about the difference that makes a difference, whether government, bad boss, whatever it is, it applies to any situation 
as us being a witness that Christ has suffered and saved us for. The Puritan Thomas Brooks said, The darker the night, the brighter the stars. I like that. God wants you and I to shine like stars in this world. And the, the brightest time that we're going to shine is when we're going through suffering, when we're going through trial, and especially through unjust suffering. All right, so back to verse 21. Then Peter writes verse, in verse 21, this, the second part, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So Jesus left this example of what? How to handle unjust suffering. Now I mentioned last week the word example means to basically like copy or to trace. It, it means to pattern yourself after. It's like right exactly. It's like when you use tracing paper. You ever use that and put it over something and you take a pencil and you're like trying to exactly trace an image or something that you're drawing. Well, that's how we are to follow Jesus Christ. That's how we are to follow Jesus' example. We are to follow, Peter writes, in his steps. That, that talks about step in his steps. Step in his footprints. The word steps it really is the Greek word ichnos, and it means tracks. It means like a line of footprints. It's following that same path that Jesus was on. So believers are called to step into, you know what? The same path that Jesus took. Now, in context, you can imagine Peter trying to encourage the Christians who are reading this, who are hearing these words. Remember the background to that? The believers are being persecuted, and, and, and it's pretty intense persecution. They're being martyred, they're dying, they're being abused, mistreated, losing their jobs and, and, and their house and property and everything. So here's Peter saying, look, you know, look at the path that Christ was on. It, was, it wasn't easy too. But we're called to endure patiently this path. We are called to endure unjust suffering. Think about Jesus. He was treated harshly. He was persecuted right, by his own Jewish leaders, his own leadership. He was betrayed by one of his own disciples. He was accused falsely. He was beaten and tortured by the Roman government. He suffered greatly. That's the path he was on. And on that path is his footsteps. And that's the footsteps we are to put our feet in also. Now, I don't mean to be all doom and gloom or gloomy here, you know, kind of thing. And, and, and of course, there's times of blessing. But we're talking about those times where we got to go through the valley. We're talking about when the valley seems so long. Listen, we live in a fallen world, and that fallenness will for sure come upon us, will come against us. So it was with Jesus, so it is with us. So this is the path, or we could say this is the way that we are to walk this path. This is the way. It's, it, 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 Peter's trying to say it's not unusual, you guys, what you're going through. It's what Jesus went through. 
So you know what? This is the way you are to go. Follow in his footsteps and accept unjust suffering. Follow in his footsteps, accept unjust suffering. Uh, There's a, a Disney TV series that my wife and I enjoy. I don't know if you guys saw it, The Mandalorian, you know. Uh, kind of a side story from the Star Wars stuff. But there's this phrase that, that they use, these, this, this group of people, the Mandalorians, and it's, it's a model for them. It's what they hold to, and it's about their life and their, their commitment to their own traditions and, and who they are. And so they say to each other, this is the way, this is the way. And I, I, I like that. I picked that, pick up on that, and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, this, this is who we are. This is what we're com- committed to. This is the way. And, but I was thinking about that in this manner. So it is for us believers. We follow in his footsteps. We accept the unjust suffering. This is the way. This is our life. This, this is who we are. If we're believers in this fallen world, things are going to happen. So this is the path. This is the call. This is the high road where Christ walked. This is the way. This is the way. When our youngest, our daughter Jenea, was small, I, I always picture we, we take walks after dinner like in Paya Bay and we go walk around. And, 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 and you know, after the water comes up and recedes and maybe the tide's lower, there's, there's that stretch of sand that no one's walked on. It's totally smooth. And I like to like walk on it. And then Jenea, for fun, following dad, would like to put her foot, you know, in my footprints that I left. And then so just, to, just for fun, I make my stride longer, you know. And, and you know, being an adult, and she's just a, a little, you know, three, four-year-old, four, five-year-old girl. And so it, it made it harder. And just for fun, I'd like jump and make it even longer, you know, in the strides. And then, and then she'd try and make it, not make it, and all that stuff. It's just for fun, right? Well, it was a little hard for her, but as she grew, as she grew taller, as she grew up, as her, her own legs became longer, she was able, you know, to hit my footprints, put her feet right into my footprints. And I say this because maybe what you're thinking when I say, hey, follow in his footsteps, you know, accept this unjust suffering. Goes, I don't know if I can do it like Christ did. I don't know if I can actually put my feet in his footprints and, and okay, this is the way, but I don't know how good I'll do. But let me tell you, as we grow, it will be for you. As Jan- it became, you know, uh, 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 for Janea, she was able to do that. So it will for you. You see, as you understand what God has put you on, He will provide for that. He'll help you. He'll give you that strength. As you understand this and accept that, you know what? We live in a fallen world. This is the path. Things are going to happen. But this is where Jesus went. And I'm just following Jesus in this way. You will grow in that. And you'll grow on that path. And you'll grow in Jesus. And you'll understand, this is the way. Do you remember when Paul said in Philippians uh, chapter 3, I think, um, that I may know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. And I always read that thinking, ah, Paul, I don't like that. I don't want to have sufferings. But 
there he understood that this is the path, this is the way. But in that, he is with Jesus. In that, he grows. In that, he finds Jesus right there. So, follow in his footsteps. You know, accept that unjust suffering. And you know what? Grow in Jesus. Grow in Jesus. And really what we're learning today is part of that. It's growing to understand how to handle unjust suffering. So this is the first step in learning how to handle unjust suffering. It is to follow in his footsteps. Let's go on to number two. Number two, what we see here is fight to not sin. Fight to not sin. Now here we're going to be covering verse 22 and the first part of verse 23 if you're taking notes. So it's 22 to 23a. Let's take a look at first second or first Peter chapter 2 verse verse 22. It says here, he committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. So on this path Jesus, isn't this interesting? Peter says, he committed no sin. We know, right, Jesus was sinless. He was the spotless, perfect Lamb of God. He was the Holy Son of God. We know he did not commit any sin. Now, what's Peter trying to put out here? Well, he's actually uh, bringing out Old Testament scripture, and we've been seeing that in, in this book, haven't we? Peter is very, very knowledgeable Old Testament after being taught by Jesus, connecting things now. And so he's actually bringing in a reference, a scriptural support here. And so he brings in references really from Isaiah 53, and that's what we're going to see in the rest of this chapter. And so right here in verse 22, he's referring to Isaiah 53 verse 9. And it talks about when the Messiah was un- when the Messiah unjustly suffered, he endured patiently. He obeyed the Father without sin, without any committing anything. I think the the in our translation the the language is without violence, without committing anything, any wrong in that way. So here's Jesus that we're following in his footsteps that he didn't sin in any way. Firstly, now, Peter says in verse 22 that Jesus never spoke with deceit. It says, neither was deceit found in his mouth. So he never sinned with his mouth. Deceit here really is used in a way that he spoke. He didn't speak any sin. No sin came out by his tongue. Jesus never slandered anyone. He never, under suffering, unjust treatment, you know, he never gave it some innuendos, you know, to, to put someone down. He never uh, a gossip or said anything to shame his enemies. He never, like, I was thinking sometimes we're, we're, we're treated, mistreated unjustly and everything. That sometimes, you know, we, we in our, our inside, because we're hurt or we're being put down or in our shame, we try and twist things you know about the other person and we try and get sympathy from people or get people to side with us you know, because of what has been our, our mistreatment but Jesus never ever 
even in the slightest sin with his mouth. James chapter 3, the second part of verse 2 says, For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. And I think about that because we're not perfect in that, you know, but Jesus was because he never sinned. He's our sinless Savior. He's the Holy Lamb of God, spotless Lamb. So Peter's saying, look, here's our example Here's who we need to follow. Look at what he did in his speech with his mouth. And though we're not perfect, we're still in this flesh, we need to do all we can. We need to make the effort to to go against the flesh, to go against that temptation to say something when we're mistreated. We are to fight to not sin with the words out of our mouths. We're to fight to not sin in that way. Some of you are really good with your words, good with your mouth. You can cut, you can stab, just like that, really fast. I'm not that that great with that. But Jesus never did. He never sinned. So we're to fight not to sin, to follow in his footsteps. Fight not to sin with the words of your mouth. Now in verse 23, Peter puts here, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. So secondly, Jesus did not sin when he was reviled. He did not return the same. This is from Isaiah 53, 7. He's referring to uh, reviled basically means payback with like insults. Uh, abusive words, uh, slander like I've spoken of. Um, really the idea when reviling is to like pile it on, you know. Just boom, 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 boom. But Jesus never sinned in that way. Remember, remember when Jesus stood silent in that kangaroo court with the religious leaders? And he's just silent. And they, they're like, do you answer nothing? Aren't you going to say something? Right, they're coming in, calling him a blasphemer, a deceiver. They say he's an evildoer, right? He, he, you know, even earlier in the Gospels, we read that, oh, you're, you're actually working for uh, uh, Satan. You're this Ill- illegitimate son. Oh, you're not the son of God. I, mean, I was thinking probably those, those, those words, yeah, uh, th- those things that they were saying, probably pushed some buttons inside him, you know. I mean, think about when someone says something about you, about your character, about um, someone you're not, or something you didn't do, and, you, and oh, it just starts boiling inside. And if you're like, what? what? How dare you? No, that's right. And we kind of get like that. It pushes our buttons. But he stayed silent. Even when he stood before Pilate, the Roman governor. And Pilate's like, do you not hear what they're saying against you? But Jesus gave no answer. He did not revile back in return. He did not sin. Charles Spurgeon said this, He was the silence of patience, not of indifference. Of courage, not of cowardice. And I like that because I think that Being patient 
in, in silence is actually courage. It's courage to not give in to our own sin. So fight not to sin with words of vengeance. Fight not to sin with words of vengeance. When someone says things against you, push your buttons, you know what? Go back to this passage. Read this verse. Let it minister to your heart so you know how to handle that and put your feet in his footprints. Well, then Peter puts here, when he suffered in verse 23, he did not threaten. So thirdly, Jesus did not sin. When he unjustly suffered, he did not threaten. I mean, think about when Jesus suffered from that unjust beating and torture, the flogging, right? That thorn of crowns that was pushed upon his head, the nails on the cross, and, and even dying on the cross, what, for a lie? These people lied? Accused him falsely? I mean, I'm saying in, in, in court-wise, he died for a sin, certainly, but he didn't say. He didn't, he didn't come back. He didn't threaten, yeah? He didn't like, hey, you guys just wait. After the resurrection, I know where you live, you know, right? He, he didn't say that from the cross. No, he didn't threaten. He didn't like reveal that, don't you guys know? You better watch out because I'm the commander of the Lord's army, right? I could have called 72,000 angels, yeah? But what did he tell Peter? Put away your sword. Put away your sword. Maybe that's what he's saying to us today. Think about how Jesus had every right to bring justice, but you know what? Kept himself in obedience to the Father. That's really what it was. What did Jesus do instead when he suffered unjustly? He didn't threaten, right? What did he do instead? He forgave. That's what he did. Isn't that why he died? Why he took upon our sins and died on the cross so he can forgive? He forgave in this. Do you remember the first words Jesus said when he hung on the cross? He was directing these words to the Roman soldiers who, who, who nailed him to the cross. He directed to the, the crowd of Jewish religious leaders who, who really got him to that point to be condemned to death and die on the cross. Do you remember his first words? There's seven sayings of the cross, right? The first saying, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. I don't know, me, you know, I, I would say, Father, fry them. Yeah, right? Flatten them. That's our reaction. But Jesus is, Father, forgive them. Listen, Jesus did not fail with unforgiveness. So let's not give in to that either. Fight not to sin with any acts of retaliation. Fight not to sin with any acts of retaliation. 
few years back, I was reading an article. This um, Japanese man was arrested. For what? For making 24,000 complaint calls to this, this telecom company. Uh, he would call like the 800 number and berate the customer service people on the other end and he would call and insult them. He would, he would even call and then hang up as soon as they answer and then call again and hang up on the answer and call. And he just, just constantly, constantly did this. 24,000 they logged in. Why was he doing this? Well, he felt that his contract was violated because his phone was unable to pick up any radio broadcasts. Crazy. But he became upset. So he became relentless and, and wanting to retaliate. And he was so relentless that the company was unable to assist customers. So they got the police involved. They arrested him. And the charge was fraudulent obstruction of business. But the thing is, this is 24,000 calls. That happened. It went on for two and a half years. I mean, talking about having a root of bitterness, of holding on to that. Is that you? Is that that anger in you, that and, and, and that hurt that turned into anger and turned into bitterness, yeah? You know, you know what happens is, is anger calls his cousin vengeance to go take care of things, right? That bitterness just drives you to retaliate. We got to reverse that. We got to be healed of that. We got to pull out, as the Bible says, the roots of bitterness. So fight to not sin in this manner with retaliation. How to handle unjust suffering, follow in his footsteps, fight to not sin. And number three, focus on trusting God. Number three is focus on trusting God. Look at the rest of verse 23. It says here, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So how did Jesus handle all this unjust suffering? Well, he didn't sin. But you know what he did? Peter writes, he continued to entrust himself to him. Who's that? The Father. The word entrust, it, it, it means, uh, or entrusting, it means to hand over to someone so that they would keep it safe. So think about this. Jesus entrusted, he put his life into the hands of the Father. He put his life, entrusting his life to the control of the Father, God the Father. Who Jesus knew, and it says here in verse 23, he knew who judges justly. In other words, God is just. God is righteous. He's holy. He's a just God. So Jesus is relying on the Father to take care of the justice part. That's, that's what it's saying. So all that that happened to him, he, it, what was going on in his life, Jesus just gave it over to God. said, you take care of it. You, you handle this. My life is in your hands. And whatever they do, I'm putting that into your hands. I'm going to trust you in that way. And notice that it says here, 
Peter says, continued entrusting. So Jesus kept handing himself over to the Father. You know why? Because the suffering kept kept coming. So he kept, he continued to do that. It was a continual thing. So every time unjust treatment and the suffering came, Jesus just handed himself over to God, handed the situation over to God, handed over uh, whatever, um, what God is doing over to the Lord. I was thinking his, of Jesus' last words on the cross in the seven saints. The seven saints was in Luke 23, 46. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he died. So focus on trusting God to deal with injustice. Focus on trusting God to deal with injustice. Injustice. Jesus trusted God to take care of it all. That's basically what we're saying here. You know what? Turn to the left. Turn over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And we'll just, I want you to see this verse 19 through 21. Romans chapter 12, 19 through 21. It says here, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20, To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And verse 21, Do not become, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, we are not to take vengeance. That's God's job. We're to hand that over to Him. What we are to do is love. That's our responsibility, to love back, to, to help, uh, to love your enemies like Jesus said. To, if they're hungry, feed them, thirsty, give them drink. Just love on them. And that love will be like heaping coals on their head. I believe it will convict them. I believe it will humble them. And so then we can overcome evil by or with good. That's the idea. Entrust what is happening to you in the hands of God. And you know what? Then leave it there. Don't like give it to God and then come back and take it back. And then give it to God and go back and take it back. I mean, just the word entrust really means put it there, leave it there, walk away, walk away. Well, how to handle unjust suffering? No, God is in control. He's handling things. He'll bring justice, if not now or later. Follow in his footsteps. Fight to not sin. Focus on trusting God. And now number four, our last thing we will see is find identity in Christ. Find identity in Christ. And here... Is verse 20 and four, 24 and 25 we're going to cover, and we'll, we'll finish up the chapter with this. So look at verse 24, first of all. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. We'll stop there. Now Peter is referring to Isaiah 53, verse 4 here. Jesus himself bore our sins 
in his body. It means Jesus took that punishment that we deserve for our sins. It means that he died in my place. It's that what theologians call substitutionary atonement. He took our place on the tree, on the cross, speaking of the cross. There Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. And what's the reason? Well, it says here in verse 24 that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That we may die to the power of sin over our lives. The consequences and the bondage of this sinful self-absorbed flesh that, that we were chained to before Christ. Now, think about that for a moment. In context of what we've been talking about, right? Jesus Christ, he, he paid that penalty, he bore our sins, he hung on a cross and died. Die, why? So we will die to sin so that what we would not revile in return. We won't uh, threaten when we suffer. We would not uh, commit sin with our mouths. We would not be deceitful with our mouth. So here we see why Christ has died. To help us live this life. To help us grow and walk this path. Then Peter says here in verse 24 at the end, by his wounds you have been healed. This is from Isaiah 53 verse 5. It means by his wounds, his beating, his flogging, the nails, what he suffered, that was how you are healed of your sinfulness. That's what it's talking about, of, of that bondage to sin. So before Jesus, we are dead in our sins, uh, but after Jesus, we're dead to our sins. So that now we can live to righteousness. We can do these things that God's asking us to do here. We can follow in his steps. We, could, we can take those strides and put our feet in his footprints. So find identity in Christ that you can live for God now. Find that identity in Christ that you can live for God now. What Christ has done for you, that's who you are now. That's your identity. You know, I encourage you today, take some time to read Romans 6. Read Romans 6. And you'll see how to identify uh, in Christ that way. Because Paul talks about that we died with Christ. And we are resurrected. We're risen like with him. He kind of gives a picture of baptism. Like we, when we go under the water, we like dive. You know, our, our, I always talk about that when you do a water baptism. Your, 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 your old person is going to, we're going to leave him down in the water. You know, and it's going to be buried there. So we died with Christ. We're buried with him. But now we've risen up into a new life, into a new creation. And now, with that, we're enabled to live for God. And he goes on in Romans 6 that we have the choice now to choose to yield ourselves to be slaves of unrighteousness or slaves of righteousness. We have that choice. We've been freed. So find that identity in Christ that, you know what, now you're enabled to live for God. You can now live for God. So here's the thing. Why go back to that old life? Why go back to that old way of handling things? Why go leave this path and go on the, the, the old path? 
Christ has saved you from that. He suffered and died and hanged on the cross for you so you wouldn't have to be in bondage to that path anymore. So find identity in Christ and what he's done for you. And know you can live for God in that way now. All right, our last verse here in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So before Peter's saying, and he's taking this from Isaiah 53, 6, that before we we were straying like sheep going astray. We were lost in our sin, we were wandering off and, and just doing what we wanted to do. But then Christ came to this earth and took upon him. Remember Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Then Jesus died on a cross, took, that, took our sins, died for us. And in that way, we're not strange sheep anymore. That, that's the idea. Now, because of Jesus coming into our lives, we have a shepherd, and we're not strained anymore. And our shepherd is taking care of us. And so that's why he says now, but now you have returned to the shepherd. And who's the shepherd? Jesus Christ. God, our Lord. We're back with the shepherd Jesus. We've returned to God. And he is, it says here in verse 25, the overseer of your souls. Overseer means guardian. He's our protector. He's our provider. He's the one watching over us. So Peter's like, hey, remember Isaiah 53? Remember verse 6? Remember what Christ did? Remember, now you're back in the fold. You're back under God's care. So trust God in this. Trust him in whatever you go through. He's watching over you. So, find identity in Christ. That you are part of his flock now. That whatever's going on, it's not like, oh, the shepherd's not watching over you. Or it's like, oh, God, God's not seeing this. No, he sees this. And he's he's going to be protecting you. He's going to take care of you. So find that identity in Christ that you're one of his sheep. You're part of the flock. He is there for you. There's a super old worship song I remember we used to sing. um, And it's called, O Protector of My Soul. And some of the words go like this. O Protector of My Soul, you will stand against the foe. In the dark, you'll be a light for me. O Protector of My Soul. And uh, I think the chorus was, You who created the ends of the earth, guided me unto your throne, offered your healing hand to me, mercifully made me your own. And then a verse says, O Holy Spirit, come, show the world where life comes from. May they always see you alive in me, O Holy Spirit, come. And I love that because as we are God's sheep, and as he's protecting, he's watching over us. He's our shepherd. And the Holy Spirit comes in our life. And he's helping us getting through this. Helping us submitting with respect. Helping us in our relationships where we're mistreated or, or misread or attacked. The Holy Spirit is there giving life to you. Helping you. 
And as we come back around, that maybe those who see our lives, see this transformed life, maybe they will come to Christ as they see Jesus alive in us. So let's follow our shepherd. Let's follow this path. Let's follow in his steps. Not our flesh. Because if we don't, we're not going to grow. We're, there's not going to be any spiritual growth. Perhaps maybe that's what's been going on. You've been giving in to the old way. You've been handling things the wrong way. But God is calling us now to handle it in the way Jesus did. To follow his example. To step in his footprints. Maybe you have been in the flesh and that's why things are a mess. Or that's why, it, 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 you know, you're, you're not making progress even with the Lord. Grant Richardson wrote, We show our fangs. We are ready to do battle. This is so unlike our Lord. We are still in kindergarten spiritually. I, I read that. I thought, whoa. I think I'm in kindergarten sometimes, you know. I, I want to grow. I want to be a mature Christian. And then notice how he said, this is so unlike our Lord. And it made me think, do people see a likeness of Jesus in you? Do they see Jesus in you? Do they see Jesus alive in you? Do you ever have anyone come up to you and say, oh, you look like so-and-so, you know, or you look like this? And sometimes I think, no, I don't. <laughs> or sometimes they're watching a movie or something, and I say, oh, that looks like this person we know. And, and for me, it's like, oh, that looks like that person. My wife's like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but think about is your life or how you handle things, is it like the Lord? Do you look like Jesus? Do people see Jesus? And are they drawn to Jesus? I'll close with this today. I read about this Christian boy who had an unbelieving father. The father had, in his own reluctance, allowed the boy to go to church, to a church prayer meeting. Uh, he was beginning to attend this church. And later on, as he walked home, a friend stopped and gave him a ride home. Well, when the father saw the son get out of the friend's car, he yelled at the son, you lied to me about going to church. You were really just going out with your friends. The boy replied, no, dad, I was at the prayer meeting. I really was. But before he could really explain everything, the father said, that's it. You're going to get double." Well, with that, the boy patiently endured the discipline. And, and, you, and note that the, the boy really loved his dad and wanted his dad to come to Jesus. A few days later, the father ran into the pastor at the hardware store. And not knowing what had happened, the pastor said, Hey, I have to tell you, your son, you have a great son. You know, he blessed us at that, this last meeting with his testimony. He shared his testimony with us. And the father said, wait, my boy was at the prayer meeting? I thought he went out with his friends and lied to me. Well, that is what broke his, the father's pride. 
and the Father went to church and received Jesus. This is likeness to Jesus. This is what will change the world. This is what Peter's been talking about. How our conduct, how we handle mistreatment, all this. If we follow like Jesus, we can make a difference in the lives around us. This is how to handle unjust suffering. Let's pray. God, as we come to a close here this morning, um, we are convicted. I'm convicted of this, Lord. Some of my attitudes, Lord, some of my strong opinions, some of the rights that I like to push, Lord, some, not some, but a lot of the buttons, God, that get pushed when I am unfairly treated, unjustly treated, when someone says something about me that is so not true, oh, the emotions, they boil. The anger can come. Lord, when we're hurt like that, it's so easy to, to do that, Lord. But God, now we get a picture of what you did, Jesus. What our Savior did, what he endured patiently. We understand that we see this, how Peter's helping us to focus in on this path that Jesus went on. The footprints in the sand that we are to step in also. God, it's not easy. But I know, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, I can do it. We can do it, Lord. If we humble ourselves and we entrust our lives to you, if we humble ourselves and we give to you, Lord, control, where we trust that you will do justice in your time, in your will, if not now or later, but that we would not focus on how bad we were unjustly treated, how unfair it was, but if our focus would be on dying to ourselves and doing what you have called us to do, and that is to love. That when we're persecuted, when we're treated unjustly, that what do we return? Love. To love our enemies. That vengeance is not our job. That's yours, God. But our job is to return love. God, it may seem for some of us so far, Lord, so hard, so impossible, but Lord, you're a God of the Impossible. You can do impossible things. And I know through your spirit we can be the people you want us to be. So God, we cry out to you as we humble ourselves. As we bow to you, Lord, that, that you would strengthen us. Keep us on the path. Put a resolve in our heart to live in this manner, God. And all for you, for your glory, that we may shine you, Jesus, that people may come to Christ and be saved, Lord. We're not here for ourselves. We're here for this mission you've given us, God, to bring people to you, Jesus. Help us to keep that focus. Help us to live better and handle unjust suffering better. 
In Jesus' name, amen.